The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SaaS Universe podcast. Today, Joseph Abraham, founder and CEO of Startup Atom, dives in deep with Indas Kaitan, CEO and founder of Quorum. Simply put, Quorum is a tool for enterprises to manage their SaaS spends. This tool enables organizations to buy SaaS better with the help of a corporate expense card, which allows for purchase of SaaS, IT, or cloud softwares only. And then more importantly, it also measures the consumption of these tools. More about Quorum and Indus's journey from being a SaaS employee to a SaaS founder in today's episode of the SaaS Universe podcast. Enjoy. Hi, Indus. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today on the SaaS Founders Podcast. It's so nice to have you. I can recollect vividly our conversation that we had, you know, sometime back, probably like last year towards the end. And um, what I what was very interesting was you were very intently listening to all that I had to say because that was more like a user interview session. And uh, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um Quite a bit of learning right there um, in terms of how you actually build a product. And uh, of course, there's a disclaimer for everybody here. We are, uh, you know, the users of Colum and we love Colum's product. And uh, finally, we get to meet the man behind the product. So uh, happy to have you on the show uh, in this. Yeah, likewise. Uh, great talking to you again, Joseph. Awesome. So um, very straightforward question i'm just going to go straight to you know asking you about the origin of colum so i do understand that you've been in the saas world for quite some time uh and uh, you know have seen the side of growth and other aspects so how did colum happen and and what's the origin story and genesis of colum i think um, the idea for colum came when i was at charge b um almost 3 plus years ago and Mm-hmm. Charge B, as we all know, is a you know rapidly growing company and now a unicorn. And you know, of course, back then we were small, mm-hmm. and I had a Silicon Valley credit card or a corporate card given to me by finance department, and mm-hmm. my card used to be on file on various SaaS applications. And end of the month or the quarter, you know, Karthik or someone from Karthik's team in the finance office would come to me, hey, Indus, uh, saw you an expense on the statement, what mm. did we buy? Mm. And I'd say, huh, is it? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> and that would be the end of the conversation because I say, hey, I'm in the middle of a meeting, you know, can we chat later? God. And that would accumulate over a period of time. It, it would compound with many other charges where the charges are in the statement. The company mm-hmm. has already paid for it. But finance has no idea. There's no invoice. There's no traceability of that. Hmm. And of course, we put some method to the madness. But I think that's when the idea started forming in my head that, hey, why aren't there any tools for buyers to manage this? Hmm. Because if you look up, um, let's say you look up software category in sales tech or martech tools, there are 10,000 tools that would help you sell a SaaS better or in a much better way than you are normally doing it on your own. So tools to target, to analyze the opportunity, to get the email addresses, to automate LinkedIn flows. Hmm. But um, are there any tools for buyers? And I think that's when the idea came into my head. 
Awesome. That's that's really nice to know. So very quickly, what happened after that? So you realize there's a big problem and you realize that this is a problem that you were going through, which is like a, it's the, the best way to actually start something because you you feel it, you you sense it. And so how did that turn into a solution? So take us the whole journey of how did you, you know, move it into from an idea stage to a solution stage? Unfortunately, I didn't have a product in mind. (laughs) (laughs) I had a thesis in mind that, hey, this has to be solved. Got it. That there has to be something for the buyer that should help them manage this better. And, you know, this is like 2017, 2018, 2019, like two to three years. Mm -hmm. And I had the problem firsthand. And back then, there there were a few vendors who were selling what is now called SaaS management, which is like right. a subset of IT operations management. True. And they would give you a dashboard of all the SaaS tools that you have bought. Mm-hmm. And a very post-facto analytics solution. And maybe I thought, hey, maybe that's the solution. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know, I had not much in a uh, what, what's the right word? There was not much of a concrete product in mind, but there, mm-hmm. was, a, there was a thesis saying, oh, if you have an analytic solution, it is post facto. How would you know if employees are reimbursing using their personal card? Hmm. Or they have created email uh, tools using their personal email account. So because the SaaS management category heavily relies on two things. A, access to identity systems so that they can hey, discern who has signed in using SSO. And I think that's the primary source. But it kind of keeps a, a 60 you know, feet gaping hole saying, oh, what about this? What about the other solutions? So I think mm-hmm. that was one thesis saying, you cannot literally solve this using IT-centric view. Mm-hmm. And then the idea started forming, what if you take a finance-centric view? Hmm. What if you what if you are in the flow of money? Can you control the flow of money? Can you see the flow of money? Can you put the put rules in the flow of money to allow people to buy or not buy? And and then without a product in mind, I quit Chargebee in the summer of 2019 mm-hmm. and kind of started ideating on what the product could be. And you know the early beta versions looked like a SaaS management. And then we finally kind of iterated into what the product is today. We have a corporate card, which is getting to SaaS payments and then whole suite of management end to end. Awesome. Awesome. So in short, what does Colum do? Who is this product for? And, um, you know, how can somebody make best use of Colum? In short, Colum is a SaaS spend management product. Mm-hmm. We sell into FinOps or into the finances office or to the CFO. Our target buyer is a CFO or um, a director of VP of finance or a chief accounting accountant or an FPNA analyst in the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason being is the finance department, you know, unfortunately has no idea what these tools do. You know, invoices are thrown at the department saying, hey, go pay for this, Mr. or Miss, mm-hmm. um, you know, charges in the card that are used to that are used to uh, pay for these SaaS tools would appear 
next to the charge for a Starbucks coffee or an Uber receipt. And the, the, the poor accounting person is struggling to figure out what does that weird statement descriptor mean? Does not look like a Starbucks coffee. It does not look like an Uber ride. Does not look like an expensive bottle of wine you gifted to the customer. But it says A-S-A-N-A. -A -A. Is it <laughs> like a carpet? Yeah. And that's when we thought, hey, there has to be something built for the finance department that would help them make the decision of being, buying the SaaS better. So the product is a SaaS spend management tool. We sell into finance. What it does is basically three things. Of course, at the top level, we enable organizations to buy SaaS better. Uh, we issue a corporate expense card. Think of that card as like a Brex or a ramp on steroids. So the card is designed to only enable purchases of SaaS IT and cloud software. So we have an internal catalog of uh, more than 100,000 products. So you can only buy SaaS. You can't buy an airline ticket from that. So card in the middle, and right. then because of the card, you can put rules, et cetera, in place. And then we measure consumption of these tools. And I'll, I'll give you a reason why later, but basically people are buying hundreds and hundreds of seats of a product, licenses, and uh, and uh, seats getting acquired, but nobody is going back and monitoring, hey, do we really need 100? Do we really need 440 uh, mm. or something in between? So we go and analyze the utilization or consumption of these SaaS seats on a daily basis. So that's number two. And connecting these two uh, is the number one, which is we help bring their long-term contracts on board. So the card helps you purchase ad hoc month to month, but what about your $100,000 Salesforce contract? Mm -hmm. How would you pay for that? You know, mm -hmm. where is the reminder? Where is the cancellation window? When, when do I need to take action on it? So we kind of build an application which does pretty much end-to-end -end SaaS procurement for enterprises. So to answer your question. Awesome. So quick question, a follow-up question. What are top two mistakes that companies make when they purchase softwares and how, how do you avoid that? Great question. I think uh, easy answer is most of the purchases are ad hoc. They are not thought through. Um, they are spur of the moment desire to buy something, which is good because it helps you solve a problem, but they have no idea what they would do with that after a short period of usage. So that's one, which is the purchases are ad hoc. The second is after the purchases are made or after a purchase is made, people do not go back to that. You know, mm -hmm. I may have bought a, a Zoom license for my department and then um, the customer success department bought GoToMeeting or Blue Jeans there is no clear understanding of organizational objectives. You know, what should we be buying? Hmm. And do we need to be intentional about it? So I think that's what's driving, you know, two big issues. If I could quickly add a 30 seconds onto that, organizations do not have <clears throat> the same leeway when you want to go buy, let's say, a Starbucks coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, there are very stringent, FNB, which is food and beverage, and TNE, travel and entertainment rules, 
what kind of an airline you can travel, sure. what kind of hotels you could stay in, how much money per diem you can expense on a daily basis. Guess there's none for SaaS. You know, people are on their own. And unfortunately, you know, finance and IT and your boss does not understand in high feed, why do you need that tool? Your, your boss is going to say, okay, $500 for the sales enablement tool. Okay, go ahead and buy it. I'll talk mm-hmm. to you later. Done. Totally get it. Totally makes sense. So what's the antidote to that? How do you solve that? I think the antidote to that is, you know, what has been happening in organizations for the last 50 or 100 years that, you know, there has to be some method to the madness. There has to be mm-hmm. organizational policies, just like you, I as an employee cannot just randomly decide, oh, I'm going to travel first class today. Or I'm going to use my company money to buy me a Starbucks coffee every day. It doesn't happen. There are rules around it. So I think companies have to be intentional about their purchases, you know, have a policy about the purchase. And of course, um, have a system of record saying, oh, guess what? You purchased this software this month. Let me go back and see whether you need it next month because SaaS makes it so easy. You put your card on file, you use it for a month, and then your you know, interest wanes in that product, but your card on file. The company continues to pay for months, if not years. So I think there has to be some organizational policy. There has to be a set of tools that kind of measures, monitors. You know, just like, um, and the analogy is, if you look at, traditional purchases, there are hundreds of applications to monitor fraud, mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to monitor, you know, spend that is not allowed. You know, for example, I, I know anecdotally, and this is controversial because mm-hmm. people would stay in a hotel with, on the company money, mm-hmm. and then they would consume um, food from the bar, which is very expensive. Mm-hmm. They'll watch an on-demand movie using the company's card, which is again very expensive. And then in cahoots with the hotel, the charge would be for a dinner or mm-hmm. the charge would basically hide what you actually did for that seven ninety five dollars on-demand movie. And then, you know, uh, products came out or manually analyze to remove uh, or reduce the fraud and you know and call out the people who are misusing the company money hmm. i think i'm not saying there's fraud in saas what i'm saying is there's software to control misuse of the company money hmm. i think same thing has to happen in saas you know there is misuse there is waste um, anecdotally and using data we know 30 to 40% of the purchases are either underused never used sit on the shelf rot in the refrigerator that is burning cash. You know, you could save mm-hmm. money and give like, you know, an iPhone or a Tesla to every employee for a large expense like that. Awesome. Great. So I'm going to go back to the story thread that we started with. So you identified a problem, you went ahead, thought about a solution, and it was more on the lines of uh, SaaS management than it became SaaS spend. So how do you go get your early customers? Like, so let's talk about a little bit about that. So you build the product. So what happened next? So when we built, and you laugh at this, so when we built the SaaS management, we, I just went ahead on my LinkedIn and the idea was to get feedback from CFOs because remember, we, we are not targeting IT. 
Right. We build a SaaS management tool and we're targeting CFOs. What a colossal waste of time and, and mistake because traditional SaaS management goes and sells to IT saying, hey, Mr. IT, here's a singular view of all the apps you have. And it makes sense because IT was enabling offboarding, onboarding employees. So we, we built a SaaS management tool, added some finance-centric features to, con, mm. uh, to visualize spend and all that. And I showed it to three or four CFO friends. And of course, when you are, have friends who are in finance, they'll give you very nice, positive vibe. Oh, this is good. You know, this yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Nothing against them. And then it dawned on me that, no, we got to go and find people who do not know me and then see if they have something to say. Hmm. So went on to my LinkedIn, uh, looked at a lot of CFOs who were on my second degree of connection and started sending out, you know, blind connect requests saying, hey, I'm um, Joe Schmo. Of course, they don't know me and uh, I am building this. Would you have 10 minutes? You know, I wanted to get your feedback. I probably sent 200 plus requests, something wow. like that. And uh, I got uh, 60 to 70 people who accepted my connections. Oh, nice. And I ended up talking to around 35. Oh, nice. And uh, most of them said, are you out of your mind? I am a finance person. This doesn't make sense to me. Give me more features. Hmm. And the introspection was what features and say, mm -hmm. hey, I'm not going to log into the SaaS management tool more than once in 90 days unless you are in the flow of money. And it basically started a thread saying, oh, you have to be in the flow of money. You have to remove the drudgery of finance, which is the what they deal with SaaS on a daily basis, that's the problem you want to attack. And we found two very unique threads or ideas. They deal with a lot of invoices of SaaS. So let's say you have 150 applications or 200 paid applications in a mid-sized company. Guess what? 200 invoices roughly or 150, 60 invoices are coming to you every month for yeah. reconciliation against the spend. Right. And since most of the SaaS is purchased ad hoc, guess who is buying it? The CTO is buying it. The VP engineering is buying it. The CMO is buying it. So there are 10 to 15 spend owners. They are buying this. Their cards are on file. They are receiving these invoices. Who's paying for it? And who's supposed to make sure the compliance is in place? The finance department. <laughs> and they don't have the data. They are chasing the VP of engineering saying, Hey, Mr. VP, can you please send the invoice? And they'll call every day. And the VP engineering or the CTO is busy because he has a product to build, you know, DevOps team to run and, you know, bugs to fix. And they don't have time forwarding invoices or going back to the inbox. Hmm. So we, we kind of thought, hey, that's a problem to solve. And the second one, which is the biggest one, which we, which we discovered is, can you give me an instrument that I can control? It enables to pay for SaaS, but I have full control. I have full visibility. Hmm. And that's when the SaaS card was was born that, hey, can you build a card which is exclusively designed to pay for SaaS? You can't buy an airline ticket. You can't take a client out to dinner. But 
if I swipe on Mixpanel, if I swipe on Zoom, if I swipe on AWS, it just magically works. Hmm. You, but if you swipe on Apple.com to buy a laptop, it gets declined or denied. Wow. And, and then with that thesis, and, and if I give you a timeline, uh, 2020 summer is when we had built the first version of SaaS management. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we went back to the drawing board after that because, mm-hmm. you know, the product was there, but the usage was not there. The feedback was lukewarm and it thought, hey, let's go back. Let's kind of think through this. And then we started working on the card product and then I ultimately launched in summer last year. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, moving on to this very interesting question, which I am intrigued to ask. So how did you come up with this name, Colum? So, uh, so. Take us to the whole story of Colum. Very interesting one. So when I was at Charge B, I used to visit Chennai very frequently. Right. Um, you know, stay there. Uh, and in one of the trips, I decided to stay at an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And the host of that Airbnb happens to be this um, um, this woman who was, of course, uh, natively. Uh, native of Chennai, born and brought up there, and she would draw the, you know, the kolam, the or this floral pattern outside her home every day, and with the yeah, with the rice powder using some tools that she has or she had, and then by the time evening would come, the the hand drawn patterns would just you know wash away or mm-hmm. you know, just you know the, the rice powder would fly away and then she would do it next day right and what i learned that she was just not randomly you know doing those patterns you know she had a thesis in mind she was designing like planetary systems in that you know she was designing wow. some parts of her own folklore and mythology in that and it just hung on me, you know, that idea hung on me. And when we started Colum, we were just like every entrepreneur, the first thing is, hey, what should be the name of the company? And then we were ideating on, on possible names. And some of the early names were absolutely you know, stupid when I kind of reflect on, <laughs> on the names that I chose. Uh, and we could not find anything either. The domain was not available or it, was, it sounded too, like, you know, boring. And then we thought, hey, why not, you know, take the word Kolam and uh, try to inflect it. So it has the origin of the word intact, but it is spelled and maybe pronounced differently. And that's how, uh, you know, the name Kolam was born. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. So awesome. Um, in, in terms of your early stage growth, right? So how did that happen? So you have a product and you, you... You know, built that you spoke to customers and um, it shaped up really well. So what happened then? Like, how do you get your early customers? Yeah, early customers. Um, and keep in mind, we're still trying to figure this out. So there was no category that does this. There's no product that solves this exact problem in the way we are trying to solve. Got so it. essentially, instead of searching for uh, comparables for us to hinge our ideas on, we were basically climbing up a hill. Mm-hmm. Climbing up a hill, figuring out, hey, is there snow on the other side? Is there water on the other side? Is there you know, humanity on the other side? 
mm-hmm. and during the early days we thought maybe this is a problem which would uh, gel with early stage founders you know uh, seed to series a because you know they buy a lot of saas mm-hmm. but they use you know classical you know brex ramp or silicon valley bank or any other corporate card which you know has their uber rides and their slack reimburse uh, slack receipts uh, and slack expenses all tacked together hmm. and we start targeting uh, many early stage founders and uh, you know same strategy just like i was trying to find the feedback from early uh, from the cfos about the first version of the product so you know full disclosure i use linkedin very heavily uh, i think probably the the best sales tool you know in the current circumstances i'm sure hope linkedin does not start clamping down in terms of the features and aggressive use that you know, some of the founders do so reached out to bunch of founders who i knew from the past life or uh, just random blind connections and uh, our first customer was is this company called evabot e v a b o t evabot.ai they are a conversational you know uh, engine for sending gifts and experiences to you know prospects and customers and heavily used in sales and um, fintech industry you know beautiful mm-hmm. product so you know reached out to many founders including the founder of evabot and then you know ravi who is the ceo and founder they became our first customer i'm extremely extremely grateful for him I'm grateful to him um, and then they still our customer they use a product on a daily basis nice really nice so a follow up to that is since you have led growth you know prior to this um, what are couple of things that early stage founders should be mindful about when they are launching their product so just couple of l- lessons are guide posts that you can share that we should that early stage founders should be mindful about i mean this would sound controversial but mm-hmm. don't take feedback from the people you know mm-hmm. um if we would have done that we would have built a saas management tool that would have had the same features of the other saas management tools we would have walked that path right? people said yep this looks good you know build some of more of these build more it centric build more it centric features and you would call it a day but mm-hmm. or call the cfos who were in my first degree who were known to me so i think the first order of my recommendation is talk to people you do not know um and that was basically a reveal for us in terms of the product that we have right now if i have not done that we would have built yet another clone in the saas management industry i, mm. I do not know how successful it would have been probably more successful than we would have been now because we would have walked into an existing category and you know would have been easier but i think we we basically found our own path and built something that did not exist before got it totally makes sense now um just taking two steps back in terms of you building this product so take us to the whole journey of you raising your early stage funds right so how did that happen and was this a large cap table or was this like um from friends how, how did that happen i mean take us to that i think that, that that itself was an interesting journey so when quick charge we wanted to do this uh, the initial thought was hey i want to do this uh, on my own for 6 to 9 months build the first version of the product then do the fundraise 
mm-hmm. but uh, you know series of uh, happenstances you know uh, with sequoia so i've known some of the sequoia asia team or the india team well and i've known um, investors at nexus venture partners well a series of coincidences and we end up raising our seed round from these two institutions and when that started rolling in you know got some friends in the mix some people in the entrepreneurial circle here in the bay area in the mix uh, one of my very early uh, friends is a guy by the name Piyush Anjan who now runs Google Pay uh, mm-hmm. is at uh, is a VP at Google and when he found out i was i was quitting to start a company and i told him that hey i'm not planning to raise money and he wires me the money without even me telling him what the hell this is going to be and mm. that basically wow. snowballs into and of course then we do the institutional round from you know sequoia surge and then nexus venture partners and others but mm. you know, in hindsight i think taking that money was probably the best decision because uh-huh. we took a lot of time uh, compared to the lot of other saas companies that come out you know the expectation in saas is yep have an idea do a product in 3 months you know execute on gtm in another 3 months after that have the line of sight towards the first 250k half a million of revenue in from start to 12 months to 18 months and that's the expectation you know because we raised some money early on we took a longer route saying okay what is something that has not been built before can we build something like that instead of building okay let me try a tool a better version of something so you know and we took a route because of the fundraise we took a route okay not a better version of x but can we be the x where people come and build a better version of us so i think that's the route we took got it awesome and so couple of tips for anybody who's raising funds uh, early stage so what would what your what would your advice be to them i think raise a, what is now classically called pre seed asap i would not i would not wait in fact in hindsight if i have to go back i would add another 20 30 angels in my round Uh, i think i i made that mistake uh, sometimes the conflict that you have because you think oh um how would i manage another 25 people on my cap table of course there are tools to manage it now but back then it did not dawn on me that you have 25 additional champions of you as a individual and individual and you as a product company um i would say and i know some founders are doing it but i think that should be the default thesis of a founder go raise a pre seed from 25 people you know small check maybe 10k 20k i think that should be the you know the, i think the get go for any fundraise activity and then of course your classical seed round from institutions and then your series a and beyond got it totally makes sense Uh, let's talk a little bit about your team, right? So, how did you build your team, and and take us through a little bit about how did you meet them? <laughs> oh man, that's that's a story in itself. Uh, we first started in Chennai. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, miserably failed at that. Mm-hmm. The reason being is a I was remote. 
Mm-hmm. He, the team in Chennai, and somehow it it did not work out. Uh, I tried my best. I used to travel. Um, it didn't work out. We could not grow the team beyond the two to three people that we had. Of course, um, you know, to keep my loyalties absolutely aligned, I didn't want to bring anybody from Jharjpi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jharjpi is, of course, based out of Chennai. Uh, and then um, found a few folks who were in Bangalore. And this is the classical conflict. And this is just a few months before COVID. So the story becomes even more interesting from that. And this few more, a few months before COVID, and the guys in in a couple of folks in Bangalore said, "Yep, you know, you can keep your office there in Chennai." There are a couple of folks in Chennai. You know, we'll work together. We'll we'll collaborate, uh, collaborate, and then they will work remotely for our Chennai office. So people who are in Bangalore are working remotely for the Chennai office. And then COVID hits. Um, you know, I was actually in in uh, in India back then. And luckily got out on time before international flights were shut down. And during COVID, basically whatever team I had in Chennai, they quit. They were done. And uh, I had to rebuild the team again from scratch. We had like three guys um, from Bangalore. Uh, now we are a team of 25. Um, people, people in India, um, people in Canada, United States, uh, South America, and the Middle East. Awesome, awesome. And uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go go ahead and ask you some rapid fire questions. Um, and if all goes well, and if you answer well, then when I'm coming down, I'll give you a gift hamper. Right? Okay. So let's see how you, how do you do this, right? So, um, what's what's your favorite SaaS app? I put you on the spot. <laughs> HubSpot. Uh, HubSpot. And the reason is the context because I am spending a lot of time there. And although I, now I'm kind of, I want to correct myself, but, uh, you know, HubSpot does not have the nicest of the UIs, but, you know, gets the job done. Yeah, it has all this, you know, contacts and your uh, sales tracking and activity in there. But there are many apps that are much better, but let's just stick with HubSpot for the moment. Awesome, awesome. Um, my next question to you is, uh, what's your favorite gadget at this point of time? This is my Apple Watch. Um, <laughs> okay. And this is my first ever Apple Watch. Okay. I never had an Apple Watch. I, I did not wear a watch for the last 25 years. I had it wow. uh, when I was a kid, you know, loved uh, a watch as a kid. And... Mm. You'll be surprised. After I started wearing the watch, I am never late for meetings. I don't have m- many apps. I have like three or four active apps: the the whole the running and the biking and the hiking thing. Uh, you know, some of the body measurements that the app does, uh, the watch does, and the calendar reminder. It's absolutely brilliantly done. The calendar reminders. It. You know, it just sends you a soft nudge on, on your wrist and you look up, oh, time for the meeting. I don't carry it. I still do not have my phone around me. I leave the phone wherever it, is. it should be, probably outside charging. Of course, I have my laptop with me, but probably the best gadget is the Apple Watch. Got it. Awesome. And um, third one, third question to you is like, what's your favorite movie? 
शोले चाइल्डहुड सुपरहिट मूवी आई स्टिल रिमेम्बर एवरी सीन आई ट्राई टू क्रिएट मीम्स आउट ऑफ दो सीन्स मेनी टाइम्स वॉचड इट प्रॉब्ली हंड्रेड टाइम्स आई हैव फोर्स्ड माई किड्स टू सिट विथ मी एंड वॉच ऑफकोर्स दे क्रिंज ऑन मेनी ऑफ दो सीन्स बिकॉज दे हैव नॉट ग्रोन अप विद दैट बट एब्सोल्युटली ब्रेथ टेकिंग अप अ मूवी वेरी क्लासिकली बिल्ड and not just the movie and the screenplay but if you go back to the history of the movie and this is what the entrepreneurial mindset is you know the movie was dead on arrival people said hey are you freaking out of your mind are you sure you're going to build an action movie you have to go back to rajesh khanna and build you know another romantic you know dancing bob movie you know right. that rajesh khanna was it was against conventional wisdom and the movie is history I, I, you know again i do not like it because of the history that's a post facto but i think just amazing in terms of my memories awesome so how many hours of sleep do you track every night in this i very religiously do at least 7 hours um if oh, nice. i don't sleep that much i my next day is absolutely shot to death um, hmm. so i sleep 7 hours um, love that leave my gadgets out leave my laptop out nothing in the bedroom just me and uh, of course enjoy those 7 hours got it and my last question to you is um what's your favorite uh, vacation spot um uh, don't know uh, <laughs> japan maybe that, that was one last uh, vacation before covid we took um mm-hmm. i think japan is an amazing probably underrated um me and people who go there who love it uh, there are lot more better inst- instagramable places you know people talk about you know mexico hmm. or you know rome venice this and that uh, parts of europe but i think japan is just amazing uh, wow from all aspects not just the destination but logistics and going there enjoying uh, all sorts of climate and food so that's that's probably the one nice really nice great so i'm done with my rapid fire and i'm back to our main thread which is what are your top two favorite metrics you measure right now at colum interesting so since we are uh, in in the flow of money product so we look at how much spend is going through on a daily basis uh, mm-hmm. how many uh, transactions are going through so the number one metric that we track internally for our growth is the tpv on a monthly basis the, the gross transaction processing volume that happens through us and the mm-hmm. second one is revenue um, you know we 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 price our product like a saas so you know our customers pay us a saas fee and then you know that is the top line that we track on a on a daily basis awesome awesome and what do you think is the future of saas spend like how where do you see that moving and even tie the future of colum as well there into that answer as well i think saspend is uh, going to keep on ballooning i think we will see a soft spot in the next 2 years because you know uh, there'll be there is tightening of the belt due to recession looming you know um, right you know valuations going down and we'll see some tightening of that but if you just look at the numbers right so the three pillars of it are and the reason i remember it fresh we are actually writing couple of uh, you know posts on this topic 
three mm-hmm. uh, three pillars of IT spend is you know one is co- IT communications, which is your you know telecom and bandwidth. Second is your right. IT software and hardware, and and third is IT services. Each of these three combined to a four point three trillion IT spend every year. That's I think twenty twenty one number by Gartner, and mm-hmm. If you now look at what is happening, the two big ones, the services and IT software and hardware, that's moving to SaaS and cloud. So cloud is of course very obvious, you know, hardware is moving to AWS, GCP, Azure. The services, 1.3 trillion, and IT software, which is roughly 600 billion, that's close to $2 billion is moving rapidly to SaaS. So I think the spend is going to increase. Um, probably SaaS today is number three spend after payroll. Uh, it will become number two. I think we will, you know, banks to high tech, we will stop using people and we'll start using automation. And automation comes from, you know, AI and software and workflows. I think, um, I think SaaS will be, in my mind, uh, probably trillion dollar uh, business in next four years or five years. It will see a soft patch now, so probably five years. Got it. Totally makes sense. And we want to so capture I'm, every dollar as Colum. And, you know, that's the desire. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad that you added that. So I'm done with my whole podcast. I have one last question, which is what's something that you wish you knew when you were 20? This is something I ask every guest on the show. Hmm. I think probably all sorts of softer aspects. So as, as a young grad, I was a very arrogant engineer, mm-hmm. um, you know, so much so that um, the desire was to not have any bugs in the code. And if somebody pointed out, I will absolutely be uh, rebellious if that's the right word. How can you find it? Uh, so I think I should have been uh, more thoughtful, more you know, diplomatic, more reachable, uh, more friendly, um, probably re- learn to read people better. I think this is the skill. I think this is not taught anywhere. We are, as, as workers in this um, knowledge economy, we are not trained to understand people. I think it is assumed from everybody, this is what you learn on your own. And that is why many of us who are great at many things in life, skills hard or not, we do not succeed is because we have a very poor judgment of people. And mm-hmm. it's a very easy skill to learn and, and to teach. I wish somebody taught me when I was 20. Got it. So reading people is... Not that I am great at it now, but at least foundations would have been led. Yeah. Yeah, the orientation. Got it. Got it. Great, Indus. It's really nice chatting with you and getting to know the story of Kolam and um, lovely insights about what you've built and your journey. Um, Really enjoyed this chat and looking forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pleasure is mine. You know, thanks for extracting those ideas and uh, uh, letting me resurface some of the older memories. So great being here. Awesome. Awesome. And this, thank you. Have a great, great journey ahead.
All right. Thank you, Joseph. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning into the SaaS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 75% of your projected revenue as upfront capital and all within just three days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the show.